Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is doing what she does best. As a young girl, she was scolded for talking too much to her neighbors in class. After years of trying to be quiet, she discovered that speaking up about taboo topics is her strength. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. She is a wealth psychology expert who has helped thousands of advisors and clients communicate more effectively about money. Now, listen to Kathleen as she assists today's guest in busting their favorite money myth wide open. So today we have a special guest on the Breaking Money Silence podcast. Her name is Stephanie McCullough. She's the founder and CEO of Sophia Financial. But what I think is really fascinating is how I learned about Stephanie's work and how we ended up getting connected. Uh, I was sitting at my favorite ski mountain, uh, surprise, surprise, in the pub, uh, after a great day of skiing, and I ran into Stephanie's brother. And he asked me what I did for a living. So I told him a little bit about KBK Wealth Connection and a little bit about Breaking Money Silence and my book. And he said, you should meet my sister, Stephanie. And so he uh, gave me some information to go on. I looked her up. We had a great conversation. And now she is a guest on Breaking Money Silence. So let me tell you a little bit about Stephanie's background. She is passionate about helping women make wise financial decisions so they can control their future. She started Sophia Financial in 2011 after 13 years as a financial advisor because she saw so many women either were delegating the financial decisions to the men in their lives who may or may not be doing a good job, or they felt intimidated by the whole topic of money and investing and avoided making financial decisions. Or lastly, these women had bad experiences with the financial services industry, and Stephanie really wanted to correct that. The women who come to Sophia Financial are concerned about getting ready for retirement, wondering about how to best manage their financial risks, and in general are worried about making smart decisions with their money. And based on the conversations that we have had in the past and the conversation we're about to have, I know you will see why Stephanie is such a great fit for working with women in wealth. So please welcome Stephanie to our podcast today. I'm very happy to be here, Kathleen. I'm so excited to talk about the myth that you picked, because often I talk in the financial services industry about the fact that... um, there's a human side of finance that isn't always paid attention to. So let me tell the listeners the myth you picked, and then I'm really curious about what motivated you to bust this myth wide open. So the myth we're going to be talking about today is financial planning is all about the numbers. Tell me a little bit about, Stephanie, what kind of motivated you to pick that myth? Well, this actually kind of surprised me because for about maybe eight years, I've been doing a lot of networking with professional women's groups. And you know, you meet someone and what do you do? What do you do? And when I tell them I do holistic financial planning for professional women, they say, oh my goodness, I could never do that. I'm terrible at math. And it always kind of stops me short a little bit. I'm thinking math, the computer does the math. And so there's a misconception that it's really about math and it's not about all the other stuff and the value that you provide. 
Yeah, really people think, you know, it's just about the projections and, you know, the kind of very cut and dry, um, you know, am I going to have enough money that, that, you know, kind of terrible ad that was, you know, what's your number? Right? It's all just about numbers, which is, to me, such a tiny part of it. Well, and what's interesting about that to me is if you did go around and ask people in the general public, what is financial advising about? What is financial planning about? You bet they'd probably reference that commercial that you're referencing or think about, oh, it, it's really about budgeting. It's really about charts and graphs. And, and so tell people who are listening in, what's your perspective on what financial planning is? Yeah, you know, to me, it's very much like health advice. You know, the most of financial planning advice is simple but not easy, right? Spend less than you make. It's like take in you know, fewer calories than you burn. Very simple advice, but not easy. And why is it not easy? It's not because of the numbers on the page. It's because of our very human characteristics, our, you know, um, the fact that we live in a consumer society. Um, I'm really fascinated by the field of behavioral finance and all the research around the fact that human beings are bad at money and investing. So there's so much more to it than the numbers. So before we get into the other pieces that you address in your financial planning approach and that it is more than the numbers, can you you talk a little bit about why you think this myth exists or is there any upside to us all believing, oh, financial planning is just about the numbers? Is there any positive to that? I don't know if there's positive personally. I think it does exist though because perhaps more of the traditional approach and conversation was about producing the you know hundred page financial plan with the charts and graphs, um, and maybe even this um, uh, maybe subconscious, but you know this feeling the industry puts out there that you know hey this stuff is really complex and you need us to help you figure it out. So what what that resonates for me or how that resonates for me is that I think about the expert versus the client model or the doctor versus the patient, where the doctor's the expert and the patient doesn't know much and how that has shifted and changed over time. Like with WebMD, you can now go into your doctors and have a lot of information. And so the relationship becomes more collaborative. And it sounds like maybe that's a similar thing with financial services that historically the advisors would say, oh, we're experts, you need all this you know, data. And what you're saying is that it's a little bit different, or at least it's a little bit different in the way in which you practice uh, at your firm. So can you say a little bit more about how you know, being human can make this financial planning process complicated? Yeah, I'm, I, I really resonate with what you just said, because I, I often tell people, you know, I know about financial planning strategies and investments and all this stuff, but that knowledge is useless until you bring half to the table, which is, you know, your personal situation, your goals, your anxieties, what you're trying to accomplish. So it really is, it has to be a collaboration. Whereas the old model is kind of, I know what you need before you walk in the door. So I agree with you, not a surprise, given what I do for a living in the books that I've written. But for somebody who's listening in thinking, well, no, I really still just think it's about the numbers. Can you give us a story or an example of how you see, you know, maybe the numbers are similar for one client versus the other, but the human side of finance makes it dramatically different for how you work with that person? Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I would say that a lot of 
you know, the financial planning software might spit out a recommendation that someone needs to save $25,000 a year. And if they do, then they're going to be fine. But, you know, what might get in the way of saving that extra money per year? I really feel like, especially I mostly deal with women and a lot of the women kind of have this idea that the numbers on the page are judging them. And really the judgment comes from the stories that are bouncing around in our heads. You know, the, the messages that we've picked up along the way, maybe the voices of people from our past. So, you know, what might get in our way of saving that extra money each year could be a host of things. And it really does get down to behavior patterns, um, you know, what my kind of personal hot buttons might be. Um, you know, I find that I can be very disciplined for a long time. And then all of a sudden on a Sunday evening, I'm sitting looking at email with a glass of wine and there's a tempting offer from one of these, you know, companies that I've signed up for their newsletter. And four clicks later, I've blown my budget for the month. Yeah, that's all too common, isn't it? Yeah, it's so easy. So I think, you know, a lot of the research around the fact that willpower is a limited resource and, you know, the the very, you know, natural link between money and emotion is really empowering and helpful when talking with clients. You know, one of the areas that I see this in, in, in my own life, but also in some of the clients that I've worked with, there are women who are trying to get to that next level financially and have uh, some sort of family history or uh, societal message that women shouldn't be profit motivated or women should be successful, but, you know, not that much. And so, you know, working with them around that type of thinking and helping them overcome it is, is something that I do. And it sounds like it may be similar to what you do in a different context in, in your firm. So how do you help people get past their money history or their money mindsets that are getting in the way of them taking care of themselves in the long run financially? Yeah, I really do try to have those conversations with people. And very often it might be the first time that they've shined a light on that. Um, so, you know, things like talking about the messages they picked up about money from their families when they were growing up or experiences early in their career. Um, and I don't try to play psychologist, but even just kind of earthing those and, and bringing them to light can bring some aha moments. Or at least it helps us think about, okay, looking forward, if this is our plan, what are the things that might throw us off course? Well, and earlier you mentioned something about judgment. And after a quick break, I'm going to follow up with that because I'm curious because there's a lot of self-judgment around finance, especially with women. Um, so for a minute, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we are with uh, Stephanie from uh, Sophia Financial, and we'll be back in two seconds. Did you know that 44% of Americans would rather talk about politics, religion, and death than personal finance? And there's a real cost to this money silence, to society, your family, and the next generation. Kathleen Burns Kingsbury's new book, Breaking Money Silence, How to Shatter Money Taboos, Talk More Openly About Finances, and Live a Richer Life, explores the history of the money talk taboo and offers readers practical tips and tools for engaging in healthy financial communication. Pick up your copy today. Breaking Money Silence is available on Amazon and bookstores everywhere. 
Join the revolution at www.breakingmoneysilence.com. We are back here with Stephanie McCullough, and she is from Sophia Financial. And we were talking about the human side of finance and the myth that financial planning is all about the numbers. And what we're uncovering is that, in fact, there's a human side of finance. Uh, and then often the women that she works with work with her to help uh, overcome kind of uh, their money history or maybe any judgments they might have. And, and right before the break, I talked about um, us being really harsh with ourselves and judging ourselves for our financial behaviors or what we perceive as our shortcomings. So Stephanie, talk a little bit about how you have helped a client or help clients kind of overcome this this harsh judgment that sometimes we have around our relationship with money or what our ability to save or invest or spend actually means about who we are as people. Yeah, I really do see it so often. I'm thinking of a story of a, a client I've worked with for quite a few years. And pretty soon after we started working together, we had met a few times, we had agreed what we were going to do. And then she seemed to hit a roadblock. You know, there was just a couple papers she had to sign. And a month went by, I hadn't heard from her. And finally, I got her on the phone. And she's like, Oh, Stephanie, you could just hear kind of the shame in her voice. She's like, I've been meaning to call you and do those forms. But, you know, they had some very understandable hiccups in their family. They were moving. They couldn't sell the old house. They had a few months with two mortgage payments and they had built up a little credit card debt. And she was bashing herself about this and felt so much shame that it really paralyzed her from moving forward. So really, I think a big part of what I do is just to make it okay and to create a safe space, a non-judgmental place to, you know, kind of talk them down and get a, get out of the paralysis. Well, and when you use the term non-judgmental space, I, I laugh to myself because so often when we think about working with a traditional uh, transactional advisor, what comes to mind for a lot of people, or maybe this is just my stuff, is I think, oh, I don't know. I feel kind of judged like I'm not doing it the right way. So it sounds like your approach is a little bit different in that regard and, and in some ways like really refreshing. I definitely, that's how I set out to you know, kind of craft my business when I started, because I got that message from so many women. They found it intimidating. They found kind of the traditional financial conversation very stressful because it was that, you know, oh, gosh, I must not be doing this right. Um, so I definitely was was intentional about putting that message out there and crafting my interactions with clients to be very, uh, yeah, I mean, to be non-judgmental, to be you know, collaborative, talking to a friend about this stuff as opposed to, you know, a, a professional who's kind of bringing down all this shoulds on you. So, you know, ideally later in the podcast, we'll talk about how people can connect and potentially work with you. But for people who are listening in, whether it's a woman or whether it's a, a man, does not matter, who's looking to work with someone who believes that financial planning is about more than just the numbers, do you have any ideas or tips on how they can find a person who has a philosophy that's similar to you? That's a good question. I think, you know, one of my big mantras is you don't have to have all the answers. You have to know the questions to ask and have the guts to ask them. And this really comes out when people are looking at and trying to choose a financial advisor. So often people don't ask those questions. I think 
Step one is getting really clear on what you want the advisor to do for you. Where do you want to be if this relationship is successful? If you're just looking to have someone pick some mutual funds for you, you know, that's kind of much simpler than if you want to get your arms around your budget and really know, you know, what you need to put away for the future, get clear on, um, you know, how to make that happen. I think that's a more comprehensive engagement. Um, and I think, you know, asking the questions, don't go with your cousin's financial advisor just because they chose them doesn't mean that person's right for you. That's such a great point. And actually, I'll uh, disclose this. Currently, my, my husband and I are in the process of uh, interviewing advisors. Uh, we've worked with a person for a long period of time. Um, situations changed. Our financial needs changed a little bit. And we felt like we wanted to try a different approach. And so it's been really fascinating, especially given what I do for a living, um, to interview different advisors and hear them talk about their practice. And, and you're right. I think you know one of the things that I didn't do before um, I was in this field for a long period of time is really think about what do I want? What do I need? And then try to clearly articulate that to the professional that I'm thinking about working with. And then hearing kind of who their, uh, how they work and who their ideal client is and things like that. And it, it sounds like um, through that process, you might be able to figure out, is this someone who does financial planning or just investing? And, and how much are they going to help me uh, in the way I, I hear you help people? is with their money history, the human side of finance, and really um, taking a kinder, gentler approach to managing uh, money. So Stephanie, tell me a little bit about how you discovered this career path and how you decided to do something a little bit different than traditional advising. Yeah, it really was quite a journey. I joined the industry 20 years ago, and I pretty early on kind of had a crisis of confidence and thought, oh my goodness, I don't have an MBA like these other people. I don't have a certified financial analyst designation. I'm not into digging into the financial reports of companies and picking stocks. And I'm not a natural salesperson, so therefore I can't do this job. That was kind of my faulty logic at the time. I worked with a coach for a couple of years. I did a lot of research and I stumbled on this field called life planning, pioneered by George Kinder, among others. And that's when I really had my aha moment. Because for me, the numbers and the projections were kind of dry until I connected them to the story of a person's life and their values, their you know, ambitions about what they were trying to create for themselves and their families. And when I connected those two things, that's when I thought, oh, my goodness, not only is this fascinating, every single person is different. There's no cookie cutter advice out there. But also, I can have a real impact. Money, for better or worse, is a necessity in our world. We're not taught how to do it well in school or by our families. So if I can help women, who is my market, make confident decisions, make choices that are aligned with their goals and what they want in, the, in their lives, I can have a real impact on them. And that's, you know... That's kind of been my guiding light since then. Well, and what's so fascinating about your story, and, I, and I'm really glad you landed where you did, because I, I can tell you uh, that you're very valuable to the women and their partners that you serve, but um, that in some ways it's a parallel process between what a lot of women go through in the financial services industry of saying, you know what, I, I want help around my finances, something isn't quite right, and then like you, 
they find somebody who can connect uh, the results or what they're doing around the numbers to their real life goals and objectives and things fall into place. And it sounds like for you, that's what happened as a professional. And then that service is what you provide to other women, which is really inspiring. It's true. And I think, you know, a lot of the key to the behavior change with my clients is looking at their own personal motivations and what really is going to to get them to to focus on it or to, you know, have the discipline to save or whatever the, the key might be for them. And it's different for everybody. So if you had to take that original myth that we're busting wide open, that, you know, financial planning is just about the numbers and reframe it into something that is more accurate, what would what would that line be or what would that mantra be? Oh, goodness, that's a good question. I really think it would be that financial planning is about the intersection of money and life. Um, the numbers are a tool. They can be helpful, but it's really a tiny piece of the puzzle. Nice. So for, for people who are listening that say, oh, the way Stephanie works, it's really refreshing. It's new. It's different. Or I'm a female, a breadwinner and looking for another you know, powerful woman to work with. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about where they can find out more information uh, from you and connect with you and find out a little bit more about your work. Because I have a feeling uh, we're going to hear a lot more from you on this, uh, on this front going forward. Sure. My website is sophiafinancial.com. That's S-O-F-I-A financial. And on there, I've got a blog. Uh, you can sign up for my quarterly newsletter. Um, and I also have an ability to do a minute free phone call, you know, just kind of a, a chat about someone's personal situation. Awesome. Well, I hope that listeners take advantage of all the different resources that Stephanie offers and know that she is an example of how the industry is shifting and changing and moving towards understanding uh, and incorporating the human side of finance. So I wanna thank you so much, Stephanie, for your time today and your expertise and your refreshing view of what financial planning is. Thanks, it's been fun to chat with you. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury a wealth psychology expert and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard, then check out more podcasts at breakingmoneysilence.com or subscribe on iTunes.com. Need a fun, engaging speaker for your next event? Go to kbkwealthconnection.com and find out how to book Kathleen today. Be sure to share today's show so together we can break money silence for good.